Welcome to another episode of the Project Purple Podcast. I'm Dino Varelli, founder and CEO of Project Purple. And with me today, and we're at a special off-site location at Hybrid Athletics in Bridgeport, I've got uh, our CrossFit coordinator, program manager, Vin Camp, the uh, excellent and uh, talented producer, Sam, and Hybrid Athletic founder and owner, Rob Orlando. How are you, buddy? Good, Rob. How are you? Good. And this is kind of, so for our audience listening at home, I think we've got to give some backstory here. Rob and I have known each other directly and indirectly for, it's got to be over 20, I mean, I graduated college in 96, so we're over 20 years here. Um, You were very good friends, best friends with uh, one of my teammates from college, and we hung out in college. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Small world. It's a really small world. Yeah, we, we've there's been some drinking days way yeah, back. Yeah, 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 yeah. So when we kind of reconnected about a year ago, I was like, wait a minute, I know Rob Orlando, and you went on, you know, after college, everyone goes kind of their separate ways, and you got into the whole fitness and everything, and your brother, your younger brother, I know, was playing a lot of basketball, and I think I played with him a couple times, again, going back 15, 20 years ago, which is uh, just the ages here. So, well, thanks for taking the time out of your busy schedule to meet with us. So for our listeners at home that aren't in the CrossFit world, Rob, or in the fitness world, feel free to tell us as much or as little about yourself and where you are today, what got you here today, and just give some background and you can get as deep or as, as little as you want to provide. Yeah, sure. No, um, you know, I've been in the fitness world basically my entire life. I mean, if I think back um, to the earliest days of uh, of my fitness life, I guess it goes all the way back to even second grade um, where I won a push-up contest. Um, and I also did that jump rope for heart thing way back in the day, and I won that thing. Um, so How many I just, push-ups did you do to win? I, I can't remember. <laughs> no. um, but, you know, so I, I, I've been involved in fitness my entire life. It's kind of been, um, I would, even if I wasn't doing this, making a living, um, I would still work out every single day because it's what I love to do. Um, I graduated from UConn in 97 with a degree in exercise science and um, immediately got into personal training, started personal training down in New York City. And then um, within a year or so, um, there was a New York sports club that opened up almost across the street from my apartment in Stanford, uh, started personal training there, picked up a huge, a decent clientele. Um, and then, you know, years later, when you kind of outgrow that that venue, uh, decided to open up my own facility. So that was in 2008, opened up um, a gym. We weren't a CrossFit affiliate when we opened. We were just a gym, and I did a, a lot of personal training there. And then it slowly morphed into a CrossFit gym in early 08, and um, we we struck up a relationship with CrossFit headquarters and their media department, and they were airing all kinds of videos that I was doing. And so it just it blossomed organically over time, um, and I, and our our role in the CrossFit landscape as as Hybrid Athletics and as that brand, our role um, has just kind of evolved over time. And I was fortunate enough to get involved early 
where the company was still just a couple people. CrossFit. CrossFit was just a couple people, and it was, you know, I would shoot a video from my computer, and um, I would edit it myself and send it in, and they had no, they didn't have a real media department, um, but I would just send them in uh, videos, and they would put them up, and it just, it helped to grow our brand and put us out there in front of people. And uh, from that point, it was my my background and my 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 personal favorite was the strongman and strength movement. So we started incorporating strongman into 21-15-9 rep schemes, and we blurred those two worlds together. CrossFit took an interest in that, and our seminar was born out of it. Uh, so I wrote the curriculum on the CrossFit strongman seminar, and I've traveled the world teaching that all over the place. So it's been you know, kind of a, a a ride that's taken me all over the world to different gyms and different venues, and but it's I'm delivering the same message that I was delivering a decade ago and even two decades ago at this point. So a couple things you mentioned, but I, I think I just want to clarify. You are, and I checked your bio, you are the CrossFit Strongman Subject Matter Expert. Yeah. yeah. The only one. Well, uh, they, or one yeah. of the only ones, right? I You're smiling, and, and, and yeah. I created the, the content. Yeah. Um, it goes back to my level one. I, I was again, I was fortunate that I got involved early. So I, I did my level one with Greg Glassman as the lecturer, um, and at that lecture during the you know during lunch session, I went up to him and I said, Greg, you know, I, I, I love strongman but your message of 21159 and short bursts and like I, there's value in that but i i want to try to figure out how do i blend these two things together like what, how do i do that and he very quickly just says i have no idea um he goes but when you figure it out let me know yes. and that became my charter it was like okay well let me see so everything became an experiment like how do we blur these two things together what's how do you make a stone workout fit into the crossfit mold um, so I started to document our workouts and, and figure out like what works, what doesn't work and how do we, because up until that point, nobody ever taught me how to flip a tire. And I, I had to actually, when I was teaching it to people, I would rem think back on the cues that I would say, and then I had to put that down on paper. Somebody said to me recently, and not recently, but somewhere along the line, somebody said to me, if you want to master a subject, start teaching people how to do it. Because all of a sudden, you'll figure out all the little nuances about it. And so I started figuring out, like, what are the cues that I give to somebody when they're flipping a tire or picking up an atlas stone? And I put that stuff down on paper. I took a series of pictures, and I auditioned for CrossFit headquarters at CrossFit San Francisco uh, with Kelly Storette. Um, that capped off a long road trip that we did all the way up the California coast. And when we auditioned, at the end of that seminar, um, Dave was there, Castro, and he goes, I think this is, this is really good. You know, there's, it's sharp. There's, there's content that I think we can use here for CrossFit headquarters. So fast forward a couple months, and we did a second, uh, like a stone-making party out in Southern California. Um, Where you're making Atlas Making stone. Atlas stones, yeah. We so teaching it, people it, how to make Atlas Exactly. Stone. So we had our stone molds at that point, and I did uh, at CrossFit Overload, my good friend Jordan Gravat, like he opened up his gym to me. Um, and we went out, I went out 
several weeks in a row where I was prepping and getting all of our gear there. I had to ship all of because nobody had yokes. Yeah. Rogue didn't make them yet. We were still prototyping all that equipment. So let me just jump in here. So going back to this era, were there tires programmed in the wads? Were there Atlas stones? Were there yokes? So what what came, like, were you just looking at a, a tire one day and said, hey, I think that'd be really cool to flip that? Or? Yeah, well, I mean, my, my background was from the strongman world, which was, you know, I, I got into strongman in oh four oh five and I competed around the Northeast and and uh, so you were doing the strongman I was doing the strongman already. stuff but then I kind of fell into CrossFit and I was like well you know my first introduction to CrossFit was Fran uh, like most people yeah. um, and I did Fran in my basement with 135 pounds and you know then I laid on the ground for about an hour and it was it's like most people's introductory into CrossFit and and when you you have most people have one of two reactions. The first reaction is, I never want to do that again, yeah. um, because that was just too uncomfortable. And then the other reaction is, like, I see some glaring holes in my fitness, and I need to fix that. Um, and that was obvious to me. I'm like, okay, I'm really strong for, like, 40 seconds, but what happens if the event is 60 seconds? What happens if it's three minutes? So I started doing more CrossFit-style workouts. Um, but then, you know, I needed to, when I opened up CrossFit or hybrid athletics, it was, I had all this gear and I had this equipment and I knew that the movements themselves were valuable, but I had to teach people how to do them. And we needed to make equipment that regular people could use. Cause the first, again, going way back, like kind of digging back, um, the first yoke that I purchased weighed 440 pounds empty. And it was so big that I couldn't ship it, so I had to go drive and pick it up in uh, South Carolina because nobody made them. It's just fabricated. There's it. just some guy that that was like a guy that a guy that a guy knew would make you a yoke. Um, and you know, when we opened up the gym, I realized, well, that that doesn't fit for 99% of the people who ever walk in the door here. So we need to make something that fits. It's like saying. You know, I want my kid to play baseball, and they step up against a major league pitcher. You can't do that. You need to, there's a system and a process where you have to learn and get strong enough to, to do the things that we do. So we took that 440-pound yoke, and we started making changes to it. We made it with thinner metal. We, we shortened up the beam, and we put J-hooks on it. And I made six different versions of it. Um, over the course of the first year or two that we were open, and I finally got it boiled down to like this is this works, and it does more than just put weight on it. You can actually use it as a as a bench and as a squat rack and all this other stuff. And then I went to Rogue, and I, I showed it to Bill, and he was like, "This is pretty cool. We can make this." Uh, so the the Rogue yoke that they make, that's my design, and then the log and the axle and the farmers is also all my design. Um, so we gave them the CAD drawings, and they produced that stuff for us, and they distribute it worldwide. So we we didn't just create the curriculum around it. We had to create the equipment, then you create the curriculum, and then you go out and you introduce it to people so that you can get people doing the movements. And that's where the seminar was born out of. Like We did our first seminar. It was kind of like a hodgepodge thing that we did at, at Hybrid. And then... Um, we did a second one for free um, in East Hartford with a buddy of mine. And then from there, CrossFit headquarters got wind of it. We ended up doing an audition up in San Francisco. Then we did the stonemaking party. And all this is like, I'm just traveling around kind of 
hoping for the best, not knowing, again, the seminar business wasn't a business at that point. Like, this is, I was just out there hoping that somebody would want to flip tires. What was your ultimate goal at that time? I had none. So you were just going because you love doing this stuff. Yeah, it was just... Passion. There was no, it wasn't a business plan. It was, uh, you know, this is the stuff that I like to do. And, um, you know, there's a group of people that I think would enjoy it too. So we just traveled around and started introducing it to people. We did our stone making party down in uh, SoCal. And uh, after that, we did a short, like a, a three-hour version of our seminar on Sunday. And uh, Greg took me out to dinner afterwards, and he goes, I think that was, you know, I, I think you're the guy to head this thing up. So we, I became the, the head of the, the CrossFit Strongman. Subject matter expert, the yeah. SME as it's yeah. Uh, coded. Yeah, and now I've got uh, team leaders in Texas, uh, California, Australia, and Europe. Wow. And so then they launched the Strongman certification in 2011, which you were part of as well. Yep. Um, in establishing that. So that's that's fascinating. And so this year, well, not this year, but in 2017, we saw a lot of elements of strongman at the games. How does that feel for you? I mean, you had you you this this was your baby, man. You you yeah. put this thing in play and to see it at the highest level and I know that that's not the ultimate goal for everyone who walks into a CrossFit box, you know, as a as an individual, but to see it at that highest level at the games and to see some of these world class athletes, these guys who train all day, just get demolished doing, yeah. you know, these these movements. No, it's it's very cool for me to see our fingerprints um all over the the very highest levels of the tip of the spear, right? Um I was in Germany when they did that event with uh the pig. Um with the the green pig, not the newest, the, the newer version of it. Um, the pig was actually my invention. So we wanted to, I wanted to create a, a piece of equipment that would mimic flipping a tire that was infinitely scalable and um, it was universal. So I could give the same exact weight and workout to my friend in Australia and he could do that workout because nobody had my tire Right, like he can't replicate my exact workout because he doesn't have my tire. So, this was a, an attempt to say, all right, we can make this same piece of equipment so that you in Australia can do my exact workout. Um, so we prototyped the pig, and I shot one like 10-second video of me flipping it, sent it to Bill um, at Rogue, and I also sent it to Dave. Uh, and it was probably a couple months later. I was in Germany doing a seminar. And Dave called me and says, tell me, and it didn't have the name The Pig. Uh, Bill actually named it. But um, Dave said, tell me more about this this tire flip thing. And I was like, well, no, here's the story behind it. He's like, I think it's the coolest thing we've ever seen. Um, And we're going to use it at the games. And I was like, awesome. So Bill put a bunch of them together and made it. And there were some design errors that we needed to fix, but it got the job done. And now it's a little bit smoother around the edges and you know it's a li- like everything it gets more polished over time um but yeah I, I look around at what they're doing at the games and what they're doing in the the championships in uh the the team series and like they're doing some really cool stuff um dave called me from spain they had a big competition there and dave called me and said we want to do an atlas stone event what would you put together and I drew up a workout, and they replicated that workout with the teams. And then you can see it. There it is on ESPN, and they're doing 
you know, they're doing my workout, which with our equipment and, and our, it's pretty neat to see. Uh, but I don't, I think the, the win for me, like if I was going to look at and quantify and say, well, what is the, what would be the victory dance is to see like Atlas stones on the main site. Um, or is to see an actual strongman workout show up on the main site for CrossFit.com um, for the entire community to do. And I think over time we'll get there. It's hard because HQ says, well, not everybody has the gear, but it's easier and easier to get and more gyms have it. Um, and at some point, you know, at some point, there was a, a point in time where not everybody had Concept 2 rowers. And then they put up a rowing workout. And dumbbells. No right, one had dumbbells and dumbbell sales. Yeah, there's a, a point in time. There's some tipping point where CrossFit says, okay, we're going to put this new thing out there. And then if you have it, great. If you don't, go get it. Um, so to me, the win would be to see like 30 stones to shoulder for time. You know, that that would be... Well, I, I notice here, so, you know, there's so many... Um, pieces of equipment in the strongman that I see, you know, the stones are probably the most popular, right? And I remember growing up as a child watching the strongman series on ABC and Bill Kazmaier and all these, yeah. you know, uh, greats of the strongman. And you'd always see them do the stones and then they would lift like really kind of obscure things like fridges and pulling trucks and stuff. But the bags, yeah. you know, and that's kind of that, like everyone now has sandbags and traveling and dropping in, you know, they either have the, the sacks or the bags. And so regardless whether you don't have a stone. You still have something that you can shoulder. Yeah, it, it, the, the sandbags have been great. Like, we use them all the time. It's yeah. just, it's, um, it's, I think, easier than the stone yeah. in a lot of ways. Um, but it's unbelievably versatile. So we, we love this. So what do you think is the next, what, what might happen next in the traditional CrossFit sense? If you can share with us, maybe there's something on the... the the board for the 2018 games, possibly, or just as a whole? No, I, I mean, Dave has reached out to me on different occasions and says, hey, can you test this out, or what do you think of this? And, you know, he spitballs ideas, and I think it's, I give him a lot of credit because um, he relies on the people around him to to really solidify the ideas, and, and he's got a, a cast of characters that test the workouts for him, and and make sure that it's the test that he's looking to put out. Um, and I think another thing that, that Dave does really well is he keeps everything pretty close to the vest. So if you test this workout, the likelihood is that, you know, it'll probably be something different that appears later on down the road, but at least he's got that data point and reference point, and very few people have all the reference points. So it's like I might get a tiny little sliver and somebody else over there might get a little sliver, but... So he uses the people around him to sharpen up the test itself. Um, so I don't, I don't know what's coming. I, they, he put out a message the other day saying that uh, day one for the games this year is going to be the hardest test, uh, the most challenging test. It's kind of like his Instagram clues when he does the, uh, the open workouts. So I guess to rephrase the question, Rob, what would you like to see? Like in the terms of just not the games, but just CrossFit as a whole. And I know you said, you know, to have like on the main site, but are there some other things that you could see? Maybe other boxes incorporating in terms of the strongman movement? Yeah, I mean, I'd love to see that grow because there's so much value in the movements themselves. I think it's um, wildly underutilized. Um, and when you look at the 
return on investment that a coach and an owner gets when they, if you introduce tire flips to your membership versus squat snatch, um, the return on investment is, you know, it's, it's a completely different relationship. I can get, I can have somebody flipping a tire with perfection in five minutes, and I can have them doing it with intensity in ten minutes. Squat snatch is completely different. They both have their own value, but I would love to see more owners doing this stuff because there's value in the movements, and, and not incorporating it is just missing a huge opportunity. So this is a great segue because I know you and I have had these discussions before about you know programming, and you're a firm believer like hey if it's you know I'm looking at your whiteboard here it's three movements, and it's gonna destroy you you know and if it's more than three movements or if you have to I think your terminology is like hey if I have to think about my workout then it's just it's not right. If I need a calculator I'm not gonna do it. Um, to me this whole thing is about we're a throwback. Um, we are a CrossFit gym, if you were to step back into like 2009 and look at what a CrossFit gym is. So um, the workouts are unbelievably simple on the board. They usually take up no more than a couple inches on the board space-wise. There's never a calculator. There's almost never an RX weight given out. There's very rarely an RX movement given out. Everything is scaled infinitely so that it's appropriately difficult for each person who walks in the room. It's we're a throwback, um, but the the common denominator is that it's almost never easy and it's almost always fun. Like those are the two things that I'm always dialed in on. Like this should be really hard and it should be a lot of fun. And if we're if we're missing on either one of those, then I think I feel like I failed. But don't also I mean like you think of strawman, so we're thinking about atlas stones, we're thinking about yokes, and. For me, personally, when I was introduced to CrossFit, it was about, like, that's natural movement, squatting, lifting, using a stone, a tire, a yoke, that's a natural movement. When you throw a barbell in, and no disrespect to anyone who doesn't use those, you know, that uses just a barbell that is snatching, I always found it, for me, to be kind of not natural. And I know we've talked about this, like the overhead squat. Like, there's some people that can overhead squat. I can't. I don't think I'll ever have like a refrigerator weight-wise over my head. Um, I just don't think it's natural. So the question would be, with the strongman equipment, it's more of a natural movement. Right. Because there's less to kind of move around. There's not a bar with weights on each side where you, you have... With, with the strongman movements, you tend to take away a lot of the thought involved in the movement itself, yeah. right? So, And I often... If I'm coaching somebody on the tire and you can see the wheels turning and they're thinking about, well, where do I put my foot? Where do I put my hands? And they get paralysis by analysis, yeah. right? Um, I will often put them in a situation of high stress where I'll tell them, all right, look, I want you to go do this, this, this. And then I will give them an aggressive countdown, like, go, 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 go. And I want them to react instead of, thinking about each little piece, and as soon as you dial up intensity, they will filter out all of the bullshit that they don't need, and they will be left with a very clean, perfect-looking tire flip most of the time. Um, and I think that the, the barbell is different, um, it, especially like high-skill squat snatch, overhead squat, which requires mobility and skill and all those things together. I understand why they do it at 
for competitive CrossFit. I get it. It's the highest form of athleticism to be able to pull yourself underneath the bar and be mobile enough to catch the bar. Like I get it. I understand it. But it's not that applicable or relevant to my 43-year-old that doesn't have the mobility to get in that position safely. And the return on investment, from my perspective, is not big enough to warrant the time and energy that I have to put in and that that person's going to have to put in to get to a perfect-looking squat snatch. I would rather spend time doing power cleans or power snatch because I can get most of the stimulus without almost any of the risk. So for the 99.9% of the people out there, it makes sense. For the 0.01% of professional athletes, elite athletes, um, and we all aspire, I know people aspire to be at the CrossFit Games, but there's a reality that sets in, right? And I think everyone who comes in the gym, these, I, one of them is uh, on your board there, the, the, I think it was like leave your uh, ego at the door, yeah. no egos aside, you know, inside. So, I mean, it just makes sense. Um, I, I've got a couple questions here We're talking about the strongman, and one of them that I wrote down was form versus heavy. And I know you're – I was watching a bunch of videos on YouTube, and you talked about just live, lifting heavy and getting stronger every week or every time you lift. So is there a difference between, you know, lifting heavy weight and also, you know, having proper form? Like, is that important? It's a, it's a gray area. Right, because I think you need, and we always talk about this at the whiteboard, that we're looking for that inflection point where the form starts to break down, and then you back it down a little bit so that you could train at a relatively heavy load with decent form, so you're reinforcing good habits. It's really easy to load up the bar with 20 pounds more than you should be doing and catch it too wide on a clean and, and, and look like shit. It's a lot harder and a lot more effective if you dial it back, and and, and this plays into people's egos like I you got to remove your ego from the situation so if you back it down 20 pounds you're going to catch it the right way you'll be in the right position every single time and you're still going to get most of the stimulus that I'm looking for so a lot of that comes down to the coach's ability to drop the hammer and get somebody to put their ego down because a lot of coaches are just pansies and they'll let their clients get away with a bunch of bullshit and really bad-looking movement because they don't want to break their client's heart. And I, I don't, I tend to let people slide a little bit, especially the fitter they are and the stronger they are and the more experienced they are. I'll let them get away with a little bit more. And then you've got like the, the, the certain members in the gym that are completely uncoachable that just no matter what you say, they're not going to listen to you. So I completely ignore those people. But for the most part, if you start telling people, like if you start catching this barbell wide and you start having slow elbows on a clean, yeah. then you need to dial it back. You need to reinforce good clean movement and then pull the weights back up over time. So, I, I, But I think a lot of that comes down to the coach's ability to just drop the hammer. Um, Do you think that, though, is, and you've had a tremendous amount of experience in this and why you're, one of the reasons why you're successful clearly is that there's a difference between good coaching and good business management, you know, and I think sometimes maybe, and I've dropped in hundreds of boxes nationwide and in classes, and sometimes you get a coach that's not coaching, and, you know, it's, it becomes a business. Like, hey, they know, like, hey, if I offend that person, like, and don't correct them, 
then they're going to leave. But guess what? If you don't correct them, they're going to get hurt, and then they're not going to be a, a, a you know a member. You do yourself a real disservice if you don't correct that kind of stuff. But it, you know, I, I guess I run this business um, with this gym wearing a certain veil, and that veil is like I don't need this to make money. Um, this is, and I've told people that from the beginning when they walk in the door. Um, I don't. I'm not interested in you being a member if you're an asshole. I'm not interested in you being a member. I won't take your money just to take your money, um, which is why the, the group of people that we have here is really special, um, which makes it, for me, it, it serves me because it's easy to run. Like, I don't, there's very few people in here that ever bother me, ever, right? Um, which means that I'm surrounded by 100 people every single day that want to just get after it, and it keeps the business really clean and simple because I don't look at it like an economic gain. To me, having that filter and being able to say, all right, I don't care if this ever makes a dollar, it allows me to be a bouncer and keep the doors closed, and I keep the assholes out and I let the good people in. Yeah. Well, I think, too, if you follow your passion, right, just like anything else, and you don't worry about the dollars and cents of it, you know, you get what you find, you know, eventually. And, and, you know, your tribe is, you know, people are going to come to you because that's what they believe in. And those are the people you want around you in, right. all, in all things in life, right? And we've you gotta, can eliminate we've, all that other stuff, it's yeah, great. Like, we've right? gotta, we have 100 members in here. If I had 150, yeah, it, it would. I would like the revenue that comes with it, but the likelihood is that I'd have 30 or 40 assholes that would join. So I'm, I'm more interested in if we add one or two people a month and they're the right person, I would rather this thing take 10 years to build and get to 150 people and they're all the right person because two years. Yeah. Like, like let's, let's, it's like a house party, right? You, um, you invite a couple of your buddies over and it's a fun party and it's good. And then everybody makes a few phone calls and, you know, then it starts to get rowdy and it's bigger. There's 40 people there and it's like, it's nuts. And that's when it's like the most fun. Right. But then they make some phone calls to some people that you don't know all that well, and the party is now 100 people, and the cops show up, and they break your house, and blah, 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 yeah. blah, blah. I'm not, I'm not interested in that quick explosion growth. I'm more interested in, like, how do we get the right person to join, and then that person goes out and vets somebody else, and they bring in. Usually, the peop- by the time somebody walks in that door, they've already been sold the program. I don't have to do much work other than show them around and introduce them to some people. Yeah, that that's spot on. Um, next question. Is there such a thing as heavy smart versus heavy stupid? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think um, too many people get sucked down the rabbit hole of just going heavy for the sake of going heavy. Like uh, in today's workout, that our class workout here, it was strict press, clean and strict press. And... Um, you know, you can see most people, I think almost everybody, picked the right weight where they were able to move pretty well, a little bit of slop here and there, some form broke down. But for the most part, I think our members do a pretty good job of picking an appropriately heavy weight so that they get the stimulus that I'm looking for. But there are a lot of people that will sacrifice everything to move 20 more pounds. And again, that comes down to the coach and the example that they set. I, it's not unheard of for me to back down in the middle of a workout. We're doing an imam, a, a clean imam, and I'm building up, adding weight each minute. And before you know it, like my my feet go wide. As soon as my feet go wide, weight comes off. Um, and if you set that example as the gym owner, people will follow suit. Great answer. All right. So 
mental versus physical, and, and before we get into this, with, with the strongman movement here, with the movements, not the movement itself, but your listed weight, 195. I know we just said you're about 198. Yeah. Your back squat, and this is all off the CrossFit website, so 510. Yeah. Clean and jerk, 300. Deadlift was 610. Uh, 195 pounds listed. You were 11th overall at the Masters uh, in 2016. You competed in 09 and 10, and we talked a little bit about before we got on the air and how that, you know, you're wearing basketball shorts and you're you're doing all the movements. And then I caught another video uh, from CrossFit Milford. I think it was like eight years ago, and you were doing uh, 325. You were doing this ladder, and you got up to this power clean, and, and you couldn't do it. And I think the caption came across the, the bottom, which I, I laughed out loud, was like, if this was my gym, I'd break something. Yeah. So how much, you know, when doing the strongman movements, you know, lifting these Atlas stones and doing like, you know, a 610 deadlift, which is insane, how much of that is mental versus physical? Um, I think, a, a hu- I mean, look, Glassman said it forever ago that the biggest adaptation across it is between the ears. It's not physical, right? You, you need to, it's just an accumulation of reps over the course of my life. I have no... I've never followed a strength program. I've never broken out a calculator to figure out my weights. I don't, I've never followed any kind of periodization. The only thing that I have that I can attribute any of my strength to is the fact that I've been doing this now for 35 years. Like, so just repetition. It's just over time. I've, I've done a lot of deadlifts, and I've done a lot of squats. And, you know, you do enough of those over time, and doing 12 reps with twice your body weight on a back squat, like, that's just something that you can do, or maybe you can't. Maybe it's it's slightly lower. Do you than think that. you're different than other people? There is absolutely nothing special about me. Not one little bit. Recovery. Like, no. Like, I mean, because I watched a video on your diet, and you're like, "Hey, man, I I eat what I eat. Yeah. I don't I don't follow paleo. I don't yeah. follow the zone. I have wine every night. Yeah. Uh, I eat carbs. Yeah. So there's nothing special. You don't think that anything. I don't even take any supplements. Yeah, that's like, what, I saw that. I don't. I am a so purist. So it's just pure hard work. Yeah. is what you're saying. Yeah, we had some. Our 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 most recent um, member that just joined. She came in here, walked in off the streets after the. She just walked in at like 10:45, and we got into a conversation. And she goes, "I just came from a gym down the street, and and they told me that it was going to be this price. And then I went to this one, and I, pr- I checked that out. She goes, you know, what's what's the difference between everybody? And I said, well, here's this is the nuts and bolts of our program. Walked her up to the door, showed her the workout, um, and I I explained to her just kind of my philosophy on things. And I said to her that any gym or any owner or any person that tells you that this is going to be an easy road at any level is lying to your face and taking your money. I was like, this will be the hardest, most rewarding thing that you ever do. And every day that you come in here, most days, you're going to question why you're here. And I was like, that is the norm. There, the, somebody asked, um, I had one of the best answers ever. Somebody says, when does the soreness go away? <laughs> and the answer was, when you quit. Yeah. Like, it's, that is the road that we're on. And I, me personally, I love the grind. I love the, the, the fact that I just get in the trenches with, you know, a bunch of people in the room and we slog it out. To me, that's... That is the fun part. I'm not training for anything. I'm training because I train. So you don't really care. I, I shouldn't put these words in your mouth. So competing then, was that a big deal for you? Or is it more like the, the grind of like, hey, get into that point 
and then, man, eh, whatever, the competition, or was it like, hey, you're training for that competition? Um, I've never trained for a competition. Um, when I got ready for, well, got ready, air quotes, um, I went to the 09 qualifier, and I barely knew what CrossFit was. It was kind of like... You had basketball shorts. So, yeah, somebody <laughs> said to me, um, uh, one of the girls that was at the gym was like, you know, CrossFit has this regional qualifier to go to the games. You should go. And like three weeks later, it was in Albany, and I went and, and fin- I took fifth place, which was just enough to get in. Um, and But I, I had just learned how to do muscle-ups. I mean, I, there, like the, I, there was nobody... Nobody was doing more than one workout a day. Like, it was, it was simple. It was whatever was on the board, just kind of throw it together. Um, but I've never trained for a specific event. I don't, to me, I don't really believe in that. Um, I believe, like, every day should be, it's well thought out. It's not chaos. Yeah. It's, um, it's, not, it's not abusive. It's really, really hard. But I think it's, we kind of move around the body and we move around energy pathways and and I do that all based on feel um, i don't there's no real formula to it but i don't I don't train for anything in particular. I just train because I love to train That's good stuff all right, a couple more questions biggest influence in your life professionally or personally um, you know one of the things that i, I I'd say my ability um, and my enjoyment out of getting up in front of a room of people and, and delivering a message like the Strongman Seminars, um, I never minded public speaking. To me, that never bothered me. But I think I went to my level one and, and listened to Greg speak. And the way the, – he's a wordsmith. Um, he's absolutely brilliant. And a lot of the, the mannerisms – I mean – I just I love the way that guy gets up and controls the room. Um, so I would say that he's a huge influence on that part of my business and that part of my life. And then, um, you know, but in terms of, like, other people that I look up to, there's a guy that's been in my corner since the very beginning. He was a personal training client of mine, um, and he's been around. I mean, I've been part of his family now for 22 years. Um and he's just like he's like my sounding board for everything, um, and he's one of the most stand-up guys that I've ever met in my life. And he's he's been in my corner, like I said, since since the early days of when I got out of college. And um, he's he's the guy that I go to. I talk to him like you know, three or four times a week. Anytime there's an issue, or anytime there's anything going on, it's just like we. He's my sounding board, and I would say that he's a huge influence on me. Where are you in 10 years? I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea. Honestly, God, I have no idea. I, I don't... It's it's interesting. My wife and I talk about it all the time that, um, you know, my life, my business life changes so frequently. And there's, you know, like I just picked up this broadcast gig for CrossFit a couple of years ago. So now I'm doing some traveling with HQ and, and doing color commentary. Like, I don't know where that's going to go. I, I just... If CrossFit keeps growing, maybe it'll be more... Uh, a Do you think CrossFit... Thing continues to grow at the rate it's been over the next 10 years? I don't see why not. I mean, the, the reason why I don't, I don't think it would stop is that um, there's still a lot of people out there who haven't heard of it. You know, there's still a lot of places that this thing can go, and there's markets that are completely untouched. Um, and the other part of it is that 
um, the message is still as potent as it was 10 years ago. Like, there, it's actually gotten sharper and sharper over time. You know, Glassman's message about how to eat and what to eat and what foods to avoid and, and what kind of exercise prescription to follow, I think it's even more potent now than it was 10 years ago. Well, with society getting sicker and sicker. I right, mean, that's my point. Yeah. So I, I think that this is, I mean, he said it a million times, that CrossFit affiliates are a lifeboat, you know, and I, and I think that's really accurate. That's a great description of where we're at and where we're headed. Well, I think in closing, Rob, you know, you said this, hard work pays off and there's no easy fix. And I hopefully our audience listening at home, that resonates with them, you know, with the success you've had as a competitor, business owner, speaker, presenter, creator, and everything that you've done. It's all been hard work and there's no silver bullet. There's no pill to, to make it happen. And that's really, if you look at CrossFit, that's the thing that always enticed me about it was just that journey and that grind. Like it, hap- it doesn't happen overnight. It takes time. Last thing for our audience at home listening, where's the best way that if they want to learn more about Strongman and they want to learn more about what you're doing, programming, the gym, what's the best place or places to find you online or in social media? Yeah, social media, um, Instagram, I, I'm at CrossFit Robbo. Um, same thing on Twitter, but I don't use Twitter and I don't use Facebook either. Um, I abandoned Facebook a long time ago. But Smart. I mean, I, <laughs> so your data's not out there. Uh, someone else in like uh, you know some other country is pretending to be Robo. Yeah. No. I I um I think what I I kind of came to the realization that I don't care what anyone else has to say. So Instagram is perfect because I can put my content up and then I can never look at anything else. Yeah. Um. So I Instagram is is a good way to see what we're doing. Um. You can check out um, Hybrid Athletics. Yeah, on Instagram, and that you'll see our daily workouts going back several years. So you can see our daily formula and what we do. And then if anybody ever wanted to reach out to me, it's info at hybridathletics.com. Um, and that's for people that might want to host our seminar, for people who might want to attend a seminar, or for people who want gear, whatever whatever that is, I tend to respond pretty quickly to those emails. And you have two locations in Connecticut. You have the one in Stanford and then the one here in Bridgeport that we're at, which I've got to say, and I know I've mentioned this, this is for those of you guys listening that live in Connecticut, Hybrid Athletics Bridgeport is a destination to drop in because I don't know if you want that, uh, but the box is super cool. I mean, traveling around, he's got a Harley, da- well, it's not a Harley Davidson, it's a it's a huge chopper, yeah. Huge my, chopper yeah. hanging on the ceiling or hanging on the the back wall, which is just really cool and just a really cool box. So yeah, no, I appreciate it. The, the, we got lucky with a cool building. Um, they don't make them like this anymore. It's a hundred years old. It's all brick and windows, and it's just you know we got lucky with a very cool building that needed some love. Um, and for three years, it's been our home. Well, it's awesome. Well, thank you for your time, Rob. Appreciate all the words of wisdom. And uh, you've been great to have on our podcast, man. Cool. Thank you. Thank you.